Welcome to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. Mainly Hannon. Here, we celebrate and honor people in recovery one conversation at a time. Let's talk. Welcome back. This is episode 10. I'm excited to introduce my new guest. Her name is Christina Mize. I had the privilege to work with her years ago at a drug treatment facility in Northern California. Christina is currently a Reiki practitioner and counselor in Ukiah, California. Life today is filled with purpose and meaning for Christina, but it hasn't been an easy road. Take a listen. Hi, Christina. Thank you for coming to this podcast. I'm super excited to be here, Maylee. It's great because I had the privilege to work with you a few years ago, so I'm sure a lot's happened since then. And, yes. <laughs> and it is great to reconnect again. So share a little bit about your story. I always feel like that's such a loaded question when someone asks that. Uh-huh. Um, well, I'm an only child. Um, I grew up in an addict home. Meaning that at the age of two, my mom moved in her drug dealer and they both raised me. And I use the word raised very loosely Mm -hmm. um, until the age of 10. Um, I witnessed a lot of things and experienced a lot of things that a child shouldn't. Mm So I don't, I don't know how deep you want me to go into. Uh, you can go as deep as you want to. <laughs> Perhaps, you know, from that point, it influenced some of the t- decisions you made as a teenager and then an adult, right? So speak a little very bit about much. that. Very, very much. Um, in, in some ways, I feel very lucky, very, very blessed for my childhood because it kept me away from harder substances. I never got into... Um, heroin or uh, speed, meth, any of that stuff, because I witnessed the use. I witnessed the violence that occurred. I, I witnessed ODs over it. I, I witnessed a lot of things that helped me understand that I didn't want that for myself. Um, unfortunately, that didn't really protect me from other things. Mm-hmm. So I found for me, the addiction started to be more relationship based, more sexual based. Mm-hmm. And with those obstacles, what helped you get through that? My daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know what I was going through. I didn't really know what I was experiencing until my daughter was three years old. And I just one day looked at her and I just know that I wanted to be something different for her. I wanted her to have a role model that would show her a healthy way of being. And so I started working on myself. That's not an easy thing to do. So you got inspired by your daughter Mm -hmm. and informed by your your past that that you don't want to repeat it, right? And so, I mean, there's one thing to decide 
as you know, right? And you work with clients who are like, I'm, I feel like I want to make a change. And then, of course, the change is very challenging. So between the decision to do so and doing so, what was that like in between? Um, it's like you said, it's one thing to know you want to make a change. Mm -hmm. It's vastly different to actually implement change. And really where it starts is researching and figuring out specifically what changes I wanted to make and then looking at, okay, how do I make those changes? Um, I've always been very, very independent. So I, I really believed I was capable of making those changes on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and to an extent I was able to make a little bit of change, but what I found was I really did need other people that I could lean on, that I could share what I was going through so that they could help me stay grounded because it's, it's very weird to be in a situation where like you want to be independent, you want to be yourself, but you find yourself craving the desire to, to fill your time and your space with other people and to be what they want to be. And, um, so it's, it's a strange type of detox. (laughs) I would imagine. (laughs) How so? Well, because you can't go live on an island all by yourself. Oh, come on. Yes, you can. (laughs) That sounds great. (laughs) Right? And back then, it would have driven me up a wall, but it would have probably been really beneficial. (laughs) But it's it's really learning to slow down um, and... And really think about, okay, why, why do I want to text this person? Is, is this appropriate for me to text this person a picture of my breasts? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why, why do I feel this urge? What can I do about this urge? Um, and really learning to step back and, and be an observer of my thoughts instead of being in the thought. And that's really difficult because there's so much emotion attached to it. There's so much physical response attached to it that it just, it was, it was a process. And I definitely would not have been as successful as I've been if I hadn't leaned on people that I trusted, if I hadn't had family that I cared about. Um, and, and to be honest, going through court with my ex about my daughter and having some of my transgressions brought up in court was really an eye opener as well. And I don't like to lose. <laughs> I don't think a lot of us do. So totally understandable. So that helped bring out the competitive side. And just again, that reminder that I want to demonstrate for my daughter what a healthy relationship looks like, what a healthy relationship can be. And at that point in time in my life, I was not doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're talking about being really independent and and having some degree of distance because of that independence. How do you lean in to connect when you want to be independent 
because as you know, many people really have a lot of shame and guilt around asking for help because that's weak or no one's going to completely understand because I'm unique or (laughs) those kinds of things, right? Um, So how did you get through that or did you experience some of that? I did experience some of that. Um, I still struggle with asking for help with certain aspects of my life. That is still something that is, is just an ongoing struggle. Um, and, and what I have found is it's really about what's more important at the end of the day. What's, what is it that I want more than anything else? And I want a happy life. That's what I want more than anything else. I want a happy life. And in order to get that, I will do whatever I need to, to have that happy life. And if that means that I have to set my pride aside and be vulnerable and ask for help, then I'm going to do it. And it's going to be uncomfortable and I'm going to hate it. But what I have found is every time that I ask for help, it has been worth it. I have never been in a situation where I have asked for help and had someone turn me down or turn me away or belittle me for wanting help. And I think what it comes down to is making sure you're asking for help further from the right person. Great point. Great point. And, and how did you arrive doing that? (laughs) Um, I asked for help from the people who were consistently showing up in my life and were the ones who always were a voice of reason, even if I didn't like what they were saying. I mean, I think that's when change can happen. You know, some people talk about rock bottom. Some people talk about losing everything or some things. But at what point do you begin to go, it's okay to listen? Because I don't know. And that takes a lot, I would imagine, a lot of energy, different kind of perspective to get to the point where not only reaching out for help, you can reach out for help and not give a fuck about what they say. You know, it's like, I like you and I respect you, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, wah, wah, I can't hear you. Right? So <laughs> exactly. at what point do you allow yourself, because it is about giving yourself permission mm-hmm. to, to be open enough to listen to other people. At what point does, how does that arrive for you, knowing all these people took things away from you? And all of that? I think for me, it was finding something outside of, outside of myself that I was living for. Because at that point in my life, I didn't matter. I really didn't. To myself, I didn't matter. I didn't give a shit about my body. I didn't care about me or my happiness or my success or anything to do with me. But because I did not want to repeat what my mother did with me or how my mom was with me, with my daughter, she was the reason I was willing to listen at first. She was the reason that I was willing to work on myself at first. And at, at some point during the process that starts to shift as, as, as I grew and experienced more about who who I am and, and started to really, appreciate things about myself and look at myself as a human being and started to really 
tell myself repeatedly, even though it felt weird and I didn't believe it at first, that I am worthy. I'm worthy of the things that I want in my life. I am worthy of respect. I am worthy of a love that doesn't require me to change who I am for the person. I'm worthy of these things. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that shifted in the process, but I had to, I had to start with the desire for my daughter first. And, and to be honest, if I didn't have my daughter, Maylee, I don't know how long it would have taken if ever, if I ever would have shifted or changed. And I think that's a really important point where, you know, you hear a lot of folks in recovery, and I do believe this, that you have to put yourself first, but there is a catalyst sometimes to do that. I don't think a lot of people just wake up and then go putting themselves first because that's what they were told to do. Mm-hmm. You know, when people say love yourself, they probably want to throw up in their mouth a little bit. Like you try to love yourself, right? Um, as you know, when you work with clients in terms of change and being mindful of kind of the energy that they have and how they want to shift that energy, right? Um, yeah. But how do you keep that that belief system and that value in mind um, to keep putting yourself first as a mom? Because that's hard or just a giver, you know, you probably were giving to a lot of people losing yourself along the way. So how do you, now you have this aha and now, you know, um, so how do you keep it going? Boundaries. What the fuck are those? (laughs) Those are hard. They're incredibly hard, incredibly hard. And it's not something that, shifts and gets better overnight. It's not the type of thing where you go, I'm going to set boundaries. And then the next day you set a whole bunch and keep them forever. Um, it's a process. It's, it's a learning experience. It's, and, and I find for myself that that's the best way I can describe, um, continuing to put myself first and putting my, my growth first with the understanding that by doing that, I am showing up and supporting these other people in my life. Because if I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not giving all these people in my life the very best of me. And the only way I can take care of myself is to make sure that I have boundaries in place that protect my time, that protect my energy, that protect my emotions, that protect my finances. And I'm, you know, I'm not the best at it. There are times where mm-hmm. I will impulsively go, oh, yeah, we, I can do that. And um, this is where I'm very, very incredibly thankful that my partner came into my life because he is my rock mm-hmm. <laughs> where where I could, you know, be a butterfly in the wind and run around all sorts of places. He is he is the foundation and he will I'll tell him something and he'll go, really, Christina? <laughs> what makes you think you can do that? Where do you think you're going to get the money for that? And, and he really uh, challenges me to remember (laughs) (laughs) the importance of boundaries sometimes when I forget them for myself. I think what's interesting when we say boundaries, it too is like vastly broad, Mm -hmm. but what it sounds like you're talking about, there's different types of boundaries. Yes, there is. 
And so depending on the circumstance, and you mentioned energy and finances and emotions and those kinds mm-hmm. of things, what are the main ones that you are keeping in mind all the time that come up? For me, the most important boundaries that I have to keep in mind on a day-to-day basis is my time, my energy. Um, I think really those are the most, and probably my emotions. I would have to say those three are the ones that I keep um, in mind on a regular basis. Tell me a little bit, and we'll get more into the energy mm-hmm. work that you actually um, are doing, which is amazing. Tell me about how to boundaries around time and emotions. So for me, I am the type of person in the past, I'm going to clarify this. In the past, I was the type of person who was a yes person. So if somebody needed something from me, it was a yes. If they needed me to be somewhere, it was a yes. If they needed help with something, it was a yes. And um, I would fill my time. I would fill my time so much that I didn't really have time for myself. So between doing all these things for other people or doing extra stuff for work and then coming home and doing everything for my family, you know, cooking and cleaning and Mm -hmm. spending one-on-one time with each child and making sure that I'm spending time with my husband too and he's getting time and, at the end of it, there wasn't any time for me. I I would siphon it all away to all these other things and people, and um and and it's livable for a certain amount of time, as long as you're okay with exploding occasionally or imploding, depending upon your personality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an exploder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so being mindful of that, and then. With emotions, how do you protect your emotions? So I am the type of person that my entire life, I've been the person that a lot of people go to to, to offload. I, I have been a great listener my entire life. I've just been that person. Um, and in the past, I would just get emotionally invested in all of these people's stories and their lives. And I would feel the emotional weight of those situations and I would carry it with me. Um, and it, it's very draining to, to do that. And then there's the, the opposite of that is I've had people rely on me to be their, their buoyancy, to be their happiness, to be the joy that they experience. Um, and so, I mean, that's great. That's very, it's a very big compliment to me that, that people would rely on me for that, but it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, my previous job, that was something that was made very clear to me by my manager was that everybody expects me to be the happy one. Everybody expects me to come in and be the light and the laughter and the fun which essentially meant that I couldn't make space for my own emotions. So if I was in a bad mood, I had to set that aside and table it when I came to work because everybody else required or needed me to be something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and that didn't feel good. Like to, to really not have any care about my own emotions 
or to take on other people's emotions. It's, it's too much. So I'm mindful of situations. If I have a friend who I know is going through some hard times and they come to me, I make sure to set up, set some boundaries and remind myself that like their stuff is theirs. I can hold space for them so that they can unload it, but I'm not going to take it with me. That that's, that's theirs. Their life is theirs. Their challenge is theirs. They're going through that challenge for a reason. And it's not for me to take on that experience. I got my own shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right. And how hard is it to say no now? Oh, for me now, super easy. Because no is a complete sentence, isn't it? <laughs> it took a long time to get there, Maylee. Yeah. So long. Yeah. I mean, I had the privilege to see you. You were always very bubbly at work, you know, and high energy. And I don't know how you did it, you know. And it there is a way in which everybody finds their limit. Yes. And it sounds like you've been able to do that. In, in, in that same vein, let's talk about energy, okay? Yes. About when you say protect energy, a boundary for your energy, say more about that. Um, so it kind of actually goes hand in hand with emotions, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because anytime that we get emotionally invested in something, we're also feeding it that energy. We're, we're feeding it the energy from us. And that can create the sense of lethargic um, that can really bring on depression or, you know, if you have that friend that's really suffering, it can create anxiety, anxiety when you know that friend's going to call or it. Um, so we, we tie, there's a lot of emotion tied. Sorry. There's a lot of energy tied to emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and really anywhere we focus is where we set our emotion or set our energy. For instance. So for instance, when you wake up and you're in a bad mood and you start to perseverate about that and you start to think about all the things that are going to go wrong that day or, you know, shit, today's going to be hot. I'm going to be late or then that's where your energy's at. And so that's naturally what you start to notice and pick up from the day. And sometimes people can switch it and change it around, usually with the help of someone who brings them something positive and that can really click and shift the focus and therefore shift the energy. But some, but for the most part, when someone starts negative, mm-hmm. if they don't shift it, they will continue that negativity all day long. And sometimes it will even continue into the next day and the day after that until they're living in it. And that's all that they can see in their lives is all this negative stuff. And what happens when that's where your energy is at is it lowers your immune system. Mm -hmm. It affects your ability to sleep and function. We start to make really unhealthy choices to try and bring up our energy, but we make choices that actually lower our energy, like um, using depressive, depressive things like pop or alcohol, those actually deplete your energy and bring it down. Sugar, carbs, these are also things that weigh down the body and bring the energy down. So what what helps is to shift the focus. So when you get up and you're in that bad mood, it's 
it's helpful to immediately stop and be like, okay, what am I grateful for? Like what, what puts a smile on my face? What makes me happy that at least my eyes opened and my feet are touching the floor? Like <laughs> what, and it doesn't have to be something big. And for everybody, it's something different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So keeping it, it can be very simple. Yes. Right? Just super simple. So that leads into kind of the work you do now. Yes. You know, so tell me a little bit what you're doing. Um, so. <laughs> well, let me rephrase the question for a second. So how did this find you or did you find it? It found me. So when I was seven years old, I was being babysat by two addicts. Mm -hmm. The gentleman was um, dying of alcohol poisoning in the hotel room. And for whatever reason, I to this day still don't understand what made me do it. Mm -hmm. I got up and I put my hands on him and I just started speaking. Um, and 10 minutes later, he was up, his color was better. He, he was healed. Um, he went around the house and threw away all of the alcohol. He flushed his drugs. Um, you know, and and at that moment, I didn't really understand what happened, but it's one of those situations that kind of imprints in your mind. It's always been there in the back of my head. I haven't always been consciously thinking about it, but it's, it's one of those things that's just kind of been there. And I don't know if I intentionally did it or not, but it really did help to direct the path that I've taken in my life. I've always found myself in roles where I'm helping people, where I'm helping people heal or shift or do something of that nature. And then another one of those incidences that really impacted the direction of my life came when this amazing therapist I know uh, called me an empath. And explained to me that's why I was reacting the way that I was to one of my clients. And I think at that time I was kind of aware of it, but having it put right there in the forefront like that, um, so blatant, <laughs> mm -hmm. really shocked me. And it started me down this path of really exploring spiritual practices and really learning about energy and the impact that it plays on us. Um, and then COVID hit and I am not the type to sit still at home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I started looking for classes to take and things to do um, and, you know, exploring even further into energy and emotions and all of that stuff. And I came across Reiki. And so I started learning and became certified in it. Briefly describe Reiki. So Reiki means universal energy. 
Um, and essentially what it is, is a Reiki practitioner opens themselves up as a channel to channel energy from the universe through themselves into the client or patient or mm -hmm. whatever mm -hmm. word you'd like to use. Um, and this energy can be used for whatever is affecting the client. So um, ideally the, the practitioner will have an intention set that can be imprinted onto the energy. So whether that's unconditional love, whether that's healing, um, whether that's um, happiness or, you know, feeling more grounded or centered or whatever it is that the client needs. Um, and so they, they put that energy into the client to help the client do whatever it is the client needs to do. And this is what you do. This is part of what I do. Yes. Uh -huh. So you just shared with us that you are an empath. There's this empath side of you. Mm -hmm. I just talked about boundaries, time, energy, and emotions. Yes. And now Reiki chose you essentially to go, hi, Christina, please be wide open energetically <laughs> and please be a conduit so other people can feel better. Do you see there's this mm -hmm. correlation, right? So yeah. what is that like for you now? You've done a lot of work, obviously, and learned a lot and got your master's and all of these amazing things and certifications. So I would imagine the energy and boundaries in what you do have got to be like dialed in. Yes. Yes, um, they do. Yeah. You're like, no shit mainly. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so more so than ever in yes. terms of awareness. Yes. Um, if, if they're not, then what ends up happening is I will bring home stuff from a client and um, thankfully, because of all of my experiences and training, I'm in, I'm hyper aware of that. So mm -hmm. usually what I'll do is I'll check in with myself before I get out of the car, um, and see where I'm at and I'll notice like, Ooh, okay. I didn't cleanse myself before leaving work and now I'm carrying this or, I'm a little, I'm a little too attached to this client. I need to kind of set some boundaries or set some protections for myself so that I'm not feeling so connected. Cause I do think that having that connection is important, but the level of the connection is, is where the boundaries need to be. Or it can just eat you up. Yes. Right. And, and then it's, it creates dysfunction and disharmony in my family. Mm -hmm. it, it spills out. Yes. So it sounds really important to have some form of ritual. Like, yes. So for folks who are empathic or folks who feel deeply about things, they can take on other people's stuff, whether we call it mm -hmm. codependent, enmeshed, or just really, you know, attached to someone. Um, with someone who is like that, similar to your background, what would you, what would you share with them? Ground and shield, ground and shield, ground and shield, ground and shield. Um, You've been thinking <laughs> about this, have you? <laughs> well, I, I find a lot of mm -hmm. empaths are drawn to me. So quite a few of my clients are empaths and it's one of the very first things that I teach them. 
is you need to be grounding, you need to be shielding. And, and what happens is that helps them become more aware of what's theirs and what's not. And it also allows them the ability to walk away from things that are unhealthy for them and not feel like they have to take it with them. That's the big one, the, the feeling they have to. Mm-hmm. How, how does that get broken? I'm sure there's not like a cookie cutter way to do that, but. No, um, and, and part of that is the realization that everybody's experience is theirs for a reason. If we come along as empaths and we take somebody's, so as an empath, I hold space. It is my responsibility to be that calm, to hold a safe space where someone can fall apart. They can allow everything to just bear and be completely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But it is not my responsibility to take that stuff and pick it up. It's not mine. It's not my experience. They have to have that experience in order to grow and shift the way they're supposed to grow and shift on their path. My path is not their path. Their path is not mine. Um, And for an empath, I think that that right there is the most important thing is to remember that our experience is different and it's supposed to be different. Words to follow for sure. So um, again, you are in Ukiah, yes? yes? And you have this business and you work with people energetically. You have a, an array of other services. Mm-hmm. Um, so I put your website in the description. So for folks who want to know a little more about Christina's um, work that she does, um, please refer to it there. Um, it has been a delight to have you and this is your first podcast right yes it is <laughs> how was it you didn't die i didn't die <laughs> i i think it helps that it's you maylee okay. and i absolutely adore <laughs> you so much <laughs> well it's been great to have you here and I'm, i want to stay connected definitely because the work you do sounds really important um but i i again i want to just remind listeners that it's okay to feel deeply um, yes, so it's okay to have your emotions ask for help. Um, you don't have to be 100%, but there are ways, pretty simple ways to kind of protect yourself, you know. Um, and Christina, I think you reiterated what those are beautifully. So thank you so very much for being here. Thank you so much, Maylee, for having me. Thank you for listening to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. May Lee Hennon, celebrating and honoring people in recovery one conversation at a time. This podcast is sponsored by Red Door Coaching and Consulting. You can find my podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.